This is from the fourth chapter of James, verses 13 through 17. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city. Spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. The word of God for the people of God. Good morning, church. Good morning. Wow, I have looked forward to uh, meeting you all and being together uh, for some time now. Just a correction, I am not a reverend. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> No offense, <laughs> don't take it personally, but I say the same to my husband. <laughs> so you heard the scripture this morning. Uh, allow me now to give you my simple-minded, Spanish-speaking Spanish kind of brain version that would go some, something like this. You just want to make money, and you have no clue if you will be around tomorrow. Nonsense. Instead, do something good today in God's name. Does, does it sound about right? <laughs> but in all seriousness, uh, folks, this morning I do um, want to concentrate in the last sentence of this uh, scripture because for me, that's where the call to action, so at the heart of United Methodist Women, Resides, and it goes like this. You already heard it. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Sort of scary, isn't it? <laughs> the issue is, though, how exactly is that good that we ought to do revealed to us individually? Can you hear me well? <clears throat> Some of us have heard the voice of God audibly as clearly as Samuel did in the middle of the night. Remember? Anyone in that group? No? Others can hear God's voice in the signs like Elijah did when he was hiding from Jezebel in the cave. Elijah discerned the voice of God not in the strong winds, or the earthquake, or the fire, but do you remember where? In the gentle whisper. Anyone in the gentle whisper discerning the voice of God. Some have seen angels like Mary when the angel Gabriel showed up and delivered the greatest news that earth would ever know that Jesus was coming to save us all. Anyone has received the visit of angels? No? Okay. We'll keep going. <laughs> <clears throat> 
Some of us have received revelation from God in dreams. When my husband and I were serving, well, my husband was serving a church in Tallahassee. I had a dream. This is five years ago. God showed me in dreams that we were moving to First Bartow, First United Methodist Church in Bartow. And I was not happy. In fact, I woke up my husband and I said, anywhere but First United Methodist Church in Bartow. <gasps> Goodness gracious, you do not tell a soul, huh? <laughs> I was not happy at the time, but I have not been happier ever. It was just God's place for us in this season of our lives, and I love our dear church. Anyone in that category? God revealing their will in dreams? Some have, some have. Let's keep moving. <laughs> in reality, I think the most common way in which God, uh, I, we identify God's voice is directly in our spirits. When God compels us to do things that we wouldn't choose to do personally. Years ago, about, I would say, 12 years ago, 12 years ago, when God uh, um, called my husband and I to go serve as missionaries in Angola for the year, we came back. He called us there. We came back to the States and invited our teenage children. And that was a just quick no, no consideration given, nothing. And we were, well, we do know that God talked to us. So um, w then came the part of what do we do with these children? They were, uh, I would say, 17 and 19. So they were, Abraham was in university. So anyways, but time went by. And one day at church, after church, our daughter Amanda came to me and said, Mom, today uh, God spoke to me. And I strongly feel that, I, that he has called me to give up college right now, take a year off, and serve him by serving others. And I feel that so strongly that if I cannot go, I feel that my heart will explode. In, in sorrow uh, and in pain. And it was definitely God's plan for her. She went there and taught English at the high school. And by taking care of the children with malaria, God changed her life completely. She abandoned, upon re returning, she abandoned her college uh, education career and chose nursing so that she is better equipped to continue serving those who are in need. Now the reality is that apart from those specific uh, individual assignments, the good that we ought to do is not hard to identify. It's right there in the scripture. Jesus said, go visit the prisoner Share the good news with those in captivity, clothe the naked, feed the hungry, heal the sick. Today I celebrate that you are doing that, exactly that, and in that way you are bringing hope to a broken world. So I am going to highlight today just a couple of things among the many things that uh, Christ United Methodist Church in Leesburg does. 
For years, this church has supported a sister church in Cuba. So let me share a personal testimony. You already know, uh, heard a little bit about myself. But this personal testimony illustrates the impact of the support of those relationships with the Methodist Church in Cuba. And let me see, because I, I went too far. <laughs> and I don't want to miss a bit. So we grew up in a Christian Methodist Church, uh, a family of uh, six siblings and my parents. And just to give you a quick thing about my family, my father, uh, two years after the, the, the communists taken over uh, Cuba, my father was sentenced to death because of his Christian conviction, and he was only saved by divine intervention. When I was a baby, a newborn baby, my parents both, together with the council, were taken out of the church and into jail because of public disruption. So those were the years in which many pastors went to forced labor camps, and then the lay people had to serve churches all over Cuba so that the government would not take the sanctuaries. They had already taken the schools and the uh, hospitals and clinics and everything else. So those were the years in, uh, as we were growing up. That's what describes those years. So the congregations shrunk. Is that the past tense of shrink? Okay. Uh, very rapidly, and in a couple of years, our membership, which was across Cuba, 10,000, went down to 2,000. On a good Sunday in my church, there would be 30 people at the most. I mean, that was the Christmas kind of Sunday, you know, celebration. The day I surrendered my life to Christ, there were, and this happened when I was 21, when I just surrendered my life to Christ and was born again. I was, uh, there were 10 people in that prayer service, nine of them members of my family. So imagine the situation uh, that the church in Cuba found itself uh, in. Let me tell you, over the last 20 some years, which the covenant between the Florida Conference and the Methodist Church in Cuba has existed, things have changed dramatically. I want to show you a little video clip of my church, my own church in Santa Clara, so that you take a, there is no sound, unfortunately, uh, but I tell you, that's a joyful celebration right there. <laughs> and there are more than 500 people in membership Attendance is much higher because in Cuba to become a member you have to be there for two years and blah, blah, blah. So attendance would be like 700 on any given regular Sunday. Isn't that something to God be the glory? The Methodist Church in Cuba is now in every municipality. Back in the days when we were growing up there would be 40, 60 churches at the most in, in the 30 years that I, I was there. But today there are over 400 churches and over 1,000 missions and over 2,000 prayer cells, which are then the beginning of the church in Cuba. That's how it works. All this expansion has been possible 
because of sister churches in the United States, in Florida particularly, that provide for salary support uh, for funds to repair sanctuaries in Cuba or to purchase house churches, which is what happens there, because the government doesn't allow the church to buy or to build new sanctuaries. So what they do is they buy a house and little by little they turn it into a church. First you move the pastoral couple there and you split the house into one side for the congregation and the other for the uh, parsonage. It's a tiny space and then you keep growing and growing. You tear down the wall in between, move out the pastors and that becomes a sanctuary. <laughs> But that's possible because of the support of ch churches in Florida, including yours. In COVID times, the support for food to feed the congregations and the uh, most needy or to launch new ministries or to purchase medicines to take, that all has been part of uh, this, what is, what churches in Florida have been part of. So let's move now to the other side of the ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, ocean where the Florida Conference started a missional relationship with the East Angola Conference in the southern part of Africa in 2004 under the leadership, you, some of you might remember, Bishop Tim Whitaker. The Queso Methodist Mission, which you see in the slides, in the heart of East Angola was a magnificent place prior to the war, to the civil war in Angola, spanning thousands of acres. It was not only the most important center, educational center and health center in the nation, but also the heart and soul of Methodism in Angola. The mission was devastated during the war, and you will see a few pictures in the next slides of what was left of that magnificent place. The war lasted over 40 years, initially independence war and then followed by civil war. School, schools, dorms, dining halls, houses, hospitals, chapels, everything was destroyed, everything. And what you see there is what was left. And what and the the vast fields that surround their mission were uh, covered with landmines. So that's how we, when we went there to live, that's what we found. Some of you might remember that we, under the leadership of Tim Whitaker, annual conference offerings would go towards the support of the reconstruction of the Queso Methodist Mission, and Christ United Methodist Church took part of those annual conference offerings. So today, Queso is once again a vibrant community where pastors receive theological education. The first picture was the seminary. Uh, children and youth are educated Health services are available, available to the surrounded communities. What used to be a landmine field has been turned into a productive land that provides food for the mission and it is the training grounds of farmers in the area. But above all, the good news of Jesus Christ is being proclaimed throughout the land 
The transformation has been so phenomenal that three years ago, the Queso Mission, which for decades had been abandoned and considered too dangerous to rebuild because of the landmines issue, was declared Angolan National Patrimony by the UNESCO, the Queso Methodist Mission. We have things to be proud. <laughs> so many churches in Florida have also supported uh, missionaries of the Methodist Church in Cuba who serve in Angola. You all supported us when we first went, and then Dr. Leo and Dr. Clavey, who are uh, medical doctors who, from Cuba who later in life received the call into ministry. When we returned from Angola to the States wondering who is gonna go there, the spirit led us to Cuba. And I didn't know anything about Dr. Leo and Dr. Clavey, and when I arrived and met with Bishop Pereira in Cuba, and I told him what was taking me there, he said, well, we have this couple here. They, unbeknownst to me, were gonna replace my father, who had been GVGM missionaries in Honduras, being my mother a doctor. This couple were gonna replace my, fa my parents in Honduras, and I had no idea, I had never met them. They actually came to Christ after I had left Cuba. Lo and behold, that same trip, in a week's time, I met with the Garcias and they accepted the invitation to go as missionaries and they have been there now for 11 years. Talking about godly things, isn't that amazing? Praise be to God. So they are there serving as uh, doctors at the hospital and supporting their life and their ministry there, folks, makes a life and death difference. And I'm not, I'm not saying that lightly. In the next slide, you will, see, uh, you will see me with a child in my arms. His name is Salvador. Should I say it? Was Salvador. He was a, a child full of life and vitality, and he died in 2018 at three years of age from malaria, a curable disease. Many children like Salvador die every year from malaria in Angola. I was gravely ill with malaria two years ago, and I got to experience firsthand what my brothers and sisters experienced over and over and over again. I knew, being that I developed the, the symptoms once I arrived in the States, what makes it worse is that it is not known here, so I went for 19 days without a uh, diagnosis. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and that's what I got uh, to where I was, uh, but somehow I felt, I'm in the States, I'm gonna survive this somehow, they will eventually come up with a diagnosis and a treatment. But in that despair, because it is a, an illness that brings such an evil despair, you lose your uh, strength little by little. And there's a time when I was laying down in the hospital and I couldn't even do this. I couldn't even do this. So I, all, all that came to mind was, this is what my brothers and sisters go through. They see their children go through this and there's no medicines and they died from this, uh, in this hopelessness. 
I praise the Lord, though, that because of the generosity of many churches in Florida, groups of volunteers have carried thousands of pounds of medicines to the hospital. In honor of Salvador, we now have uh, a, an agreement or a partnership with the hospital that we provide everything that is needed so that the hospital remains operational all year long. And we provide either the, the medicines or the funds to buy the medicines on site, including anti-malarials, anti-parasites. Imagine children dying from a parasite infection, something that can be taken care of with two doses, I mean two pills of a, a medicine. Um, so thank God. Praise the Lord, they have these medicines and, and we're hoping that uh, that will continue to be the case because of our gen the generosity of the churches here. Uh, these uh, medicines and the uh, medical service and all of that is provided to the community, very impoverished community at no cost. They could not afford going to the city to, the, to begin with to go to the hospital. So this is just, God's amazing, amazing miracle. Back in the day when Armando and I were in Quesua, there were 40 children on a good Sunday in church. Today, you will see just a glimpse. That's a, sh a portion of the children that come to church. There are more than 500 children in that church every Sunday talking about proclaiming Jesus and lifting his name on high. 500 children that every Sunday, because of our generosity, receive a, a nutritious lunch and probably the best meal of the week for them. Unfortunately, um, during COVID times, the luncheon had to be uh, canceled for a few months, but it has resumed. I brought from the children in Angola these little things for you, keychains for the gentlemen and necklaces for the ladies, and they are free for you to take. They are in the back with this brochure. This is the group of children that makes, they are called Afromoana, the same children for church, from church that come together and make these little things uh, in support of their uh, luncheon there. So uh, as I was saying at the beginning of the COVID pandemic, some of the luncheon, for several months, the luncheon were canceled. And that brought Dr. Clavey to start seeing the children at the hospital. And soon enough, she noticed that the evil of severe malnourishment was re-emerging to a degree that had not seen before. Actually, we saw it in 2006 when we first came, went to Angola right after the end of the war, but we had never seen it in more than a decade by now. But all of a sudden, these children are so severely malnourished. And she is now seeing these patients and providing food uh, on a weekly basis or bi-weekly basis to, uh, and follow their progress. Um, unfortunately, regular food doesn't make a dent in that situation. But for the glory of God, you would not, this is the latest development. And I'm so <laughs> excited about this that I have to share it. Ever since I came back from Angola, this is November, 
and I saw this, I started reaching out to everybody. Folks, I wrote emails to every single person and institution that I can think of except the Pope. I think <laughs> he was delivered from my... <laughs> but anyways, two weeks ago, I finally received an, uh, an acknowledgement letter from UNICEF, and they were inviting me you, you know what UNICEF is, right? They were inviting me to apply to become a partner. And here I go, in the name of Jesus, because I, I don't credit myself in any of this. I tell you what, I couldn't do any of this. I emailed them, and two days later, they approved my application to become, for the Florida Conference to become Partners for Procurement Services. And I can barely pronounce it, but that means that we can buy the medicines that we used to take at a tenth of the price. Just in the annual allowance for malaria medications, we will be saving $13,000, to give you an idea. But even greater than that, they provide something that's called Plumpy Knot. It is a fortified, um, uh, butter, peanut butter, that has um, vitamins and minerals that is needed for this kind of patients. And a full carton of, uh, of that will provide enough to bring one child back to a healthy weight, and it is only $50, so I'm super excited. There are 250 uh, children involved, I mean, registered in this, being seen at the hospital, but I am so excited, and I know if God opened the door, he will provide the funding for that. No, no uh, doubt in my mind. So this is a new program that we are um, starting to support, and I wanted to show you on this picture, the two kids in the middle are about to graduate from the, uh, from the program. Uh, they are looking much uh, healthier now unfortunately, out of the 250, because regular food doesn't make much of a difference, only 18 have graduated from the program. So this new development is gonna make a big difference and I cannot hide my excitement. <laughs> Can I hear a glory to God? <laughs> uh, you know, I come from Cuba. <laughs> so bear with me here. Um, so when I think, I, I mean, today we celebrate the work of United Methodist Women, and not only United Methodist Women, but the entire church, making a difference from Christ all over the world and impacting eternity. We are impacting eternity. It's not providing the medicine to heal the sick, and there you go, blah, blah, sha, sha. No, no. It is a life that will be saved for eternity because together with what we, the good that we are doing, Jesus is being proclaimed. Jesus is being announced to all these people. So when I think of the Cuban Methodist pastors and missionaries that we support so that new churches are planted and new mission fields are opened, when I think of the Angolan children being uh, nourished back to health by nutritious food, by medicines. When I think of all the landmines, we even found landmines across the street from our house. 
we found landmines in the bags of the children of the orphanage. They thought they were toys. We found landmines digging with the tractor. I mean, the angel of the Lord encamps in that place and delivers his faithful ones from evil. Because no landmine in 12 years that we have been there has ever blown out. So when I think of all of that and what God has done and has turned around that mission in Kesua and the crops, when I go there and I see the crops that are being planted, the ruins that have been restored, when I think of all of that, I get overwhelmed with joy, pure joy, because with support, with your support, our support, all of us, we are impacting once again these lives, not only in this world, but for, for eternity. Now, I must say that what we, you and I, are doing is not only saving people in Cuba and Angola and other places locally or globally as you uh, engage in, in, in this mission work, but it is also saving us. That is the true reality. The people we partner with might be the answer to our need for a closer relationship with the Holy Spirit. Can I hear an amen? amen? Last year, I met a nurse at a particular church where I spoke, and she came to me and she said she was just, um, how do you say that, glowing. She said, oh, thank you, Jesus. For years, I have longed to go back to Africa in mission service. And I heard Jackie today that she wants to go to Angola. I hope you all support it. Support her because I'm taking her. <laughs> and anyone else who wants to come. <laughs> but she said, God has brought you here for me. That's what she said. So sometimes the people that we partner with are just the answer for our need to for a closer relationship with the Lord. How powerful it is to know that in the process of doing that good that we ought to do, we are being so greatly blessed and transformed into the image of Jesus. Can I hear an amen? amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So I invite you today uh, to join me in this invitation from John Wesley. It will be on the screen. So let's read together. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. May that be our way of life, doing the good that we ought to do at all times. So I want to end today with these words from the second letter to the Corinthians. And God is able to bless you abundantly. Listen that it doesn't say for your own sake. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need nor want all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You will abound in every good work. My brothers and sisters, keep up the good work until the day of the Lord, that day when every knee will bow 
and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and to him be all glory, for only him is worthy. Can I hear an amen? amen. God bless you all.